some bad news. I know it. I love when he does that. Well, once you hit rock bottom, the only way to go is up. So, so good luck. Okay, good luck. You say rock bottom, but like, it just seems like things keep getting worse. What What is rock bottom? Who decides what's the bottom of all this? I mean, seriously, you go, okay, today is Friday, and I woke up in Cleveland, and I'm going, how much worse can it get? Don't tell me down, you piece of shit. Shut your mouth. Look at me, Tony. Look at me. I want you to fire me. You fucking mark! Fire me! Fire me! How you think they gonna feel when they introduce your boys as the new WWE Undisputed Tag Team Champion? I don't know who's. They might be cheering. Yeah. They might be booing. Yeah. Little kids might be crying. Oh, yeah. We got grown men out there crying. Yeah. But they still might be hating on the Uso. Hating on us? Why? Because we went out there and did what we said we was going to do. Yeet. Buffalo, all your babbling is interfering with my machine. So for the next few minutes, please just do me a favor and kindly... Sheesh! I love you, guys, so beautiful. You never did what you would so. But that's enough for me. Our love is real, so physical And you say everyone's invisible But I'm here by your side Tell me what you really want I can't buy you St. Laurent But I'll write a hundred songs If you love me for a long time If you love me for a long time Episode 336 of the Hoops Podcast. It's uh, Thursday, November 17th, 2022. Coming to you from the Fortress of Joshi in lovely Chicago, Illinois. Welcome to another podcast, ladies and gentlemen. 
in uh, the world of professional wrestling, never stops, but we're here to have some fun and provide a good mental and positive escape for you as you go on with your week. It is just truly an nefarious part. Adam, a.k.a. Joshy Lopez. You can follow me at Twitter, at The Hoots Podcast, also on Instagram, at Josh Lopez Media. Make sure to bookmark my transcript page at ProSATranscriptions.com. And um, we got lots to get to today. We got a pay-per-view to preview and make predictions for. Yes! <laughs> for AEW Mid-Gear coming up this Saturday at the Prudential Center in Newark, New Jersey. Um, God knows what the hell's going to happen on that pay-per-view. Not only is it that weekend, uh, tomorrow's record is Impact has their Overdrive pay-per-view, which I'll mention in the WWE segment. And stuff going on with New Japan. We'll get into that as well. But as always, uh, we start off with the Backports Q&A session. But before I get to that, don't forget to support the podcast in any way you can. It can be a donation. It can be Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, it could be subscribing and following our shows on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, anywhere you get your podcasts from. This podcast comes to you free of charge. and are bring a lot of different elements to it, and we'd love to get your feedback, uh, positively or negatively, as far as stuff we can improve on or stuff that you like about the podcast. We want to hear feedback from you guys, and I do appreciate the feedback we get from what the hell is wrong with AW stuff like that, <laughs> our, our flagship segment. But I just want to get your um, general thoughts and feelings on the show as a whole. And um, just because I've been doing this for almost a decade now doesn't mean I could, uh, <laughs> I'm not above uh, constructive criticism. But, anyways, regardless, I just want to say thank you again for supporting this podcast. It really means a lot to me and Brother Carter. Brother Carter will be via satellite again this week. And um, we'll, let's get to the fun stuff. And um, I think in between this back porch QA session, you'll um, hear me talk a little bit about Chicago Bears. I got some Bears thoughts to get off my head and uh, off my chest, not off my head. <laughs> uh, got to talk some Bears. We'll get into um, some other thoughts that have been in my head over the last couple of days and um, should be pretty interesting. Also, uh, as last week, I started this new tradition in the uh, back porch Q&A to uh, kind of show you guys uh, another facet of my life, and that's me playing music and my love for music and uh, being a good element of this back porch Q&A session is I get to play a song for you each week. It can be one song, what, two songs, what, three, as many as I want. Hell, I'll put a, I'll put a damn concert on, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I'll put a damn concert on if I want to. No, I'm just kidding. Like, but I... As the weeks go out, I'm going to implement some guitar covers and stuff like that just to add the variety of the show and um, just have some fun. So I guess we'll get started here. Um, <laughs> before we get to the questions, let's get to the song. So this week's song is a song that I started to learn how to play about two years ago. Uh, it's called If Something Should Happen by Daryl Worley. Um, I played the song, I think, in one of the audio versions of I Miss My Friend, which is my favorite uh, country song that Daryl did. Daryl's a, a legendary country singer, and um, I Miss My Friend is not only the best country song I ever heard, it's probably one of the saddest music videos I ever watched before, but if you want to 
check that out. Go out, go out your way to check it out. It's very, very good. But this song is very good. Um, it, it's a ballad, but it's a little bit more upbeat <laughs> than the previous <laughs> song that I just mentioned there. But um, anyways, I just want to say again, thank you for hanging out with me. Um, as we start this off, let's listen to the cover I did just about an hour ago of If Something Should Happen by Daryl Worley. I hope this comes through good through the audio speakers and it doesn't have this modulated sound like it did last week. Damn you, StreamYard. Damn you, StreamYard. <laughs> but uh, this should be good, and I hope you like it. So this is my cover of If Something Should Happen by Daryl Worley, and I hope that you enjoy it. So let's get to it. <laughs> Yeah. 
Something should happen by Daryl Worley. Um, glad that came out pretty good. Um, so it's open to any uh, suggestions for songs you might need to play on here. Hopefully, it's something that's not too difficult. I don't think you're gonna see me play that one song from like Guitar Hero where they're like um, something about dragons and I don't know. <laughs> oh no, through the fire and flames. Remember that that damn song was like I can't. <laughs> I have my own limits as a guitar player. I can't play that shit. It's like, doodly, 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 doodly. but um, yeah, I, I wanted to showcase my guitar skills to you guys, and you know, hope you guys will like it. So that was uh, if something should happen by Daryl Worley. Uh, let's let's get to let's let's get to this really quick because I got some things I got to get off my chest. Just some sporadic thoughts and stuff. Um, Let's talk about Bears. So the Bears just lost uh, Sunday uh, to the Detroit Lions. Um, I think it's 33-30, something like that. Um, just had a bad uh, pick six that went to uh, Jeff Okuda. Lions won. Bears lost. Bears are at 3-7 and seven right now. And as I like sit back and watch this football season, knowing that the team – just from a realistic standpoint, it's not going to be like a powerhouse or, you know, a team that was just going to be a force to be reckoned with. I kind of just wanted to see how things were going to go with Justin, obviously with it being his second year and his first year as a full-time starter. Um, I really didn't have like these overarching expectations of what it was supposed to look like or how the season was going to be, or how many wins are going to be. I, I really didn't care at the same time, too. Um, because it's like we've gone through this, like, hamster wheel, this routine cycle of every three years we're shuffling in and out uh, coaches and general managers and quarterbacks, and it's like a, a cycle that doesn't seem to end. <laughs> and... I would think over the last couple weeks or so, I feel like maybe there could be a light at the end of the tunnel with Justin. But even with that, um, it, the conversation uh, regarding Justin Fields and just the Bears in general has just been very off-putting for me to observe from a background. And look, I, I'm not here to claim that I'm some football expert. I played football in high school. 
football is my favorite sport, but I'm not going to come in here and act like I know more uh, than the common person at home that watches these games and don't <laughs> do extra time into studying the team. Like, it's not that serious. Uh, I like to say, state that first. But um, I think there's, like, misplaced passion and just – there's this hard balance in Chicago where we mix our passion for our teams and just what this general logic in general. And I feel like well, general logic, uh, I just think it's a major problem that we continue to do these routines where we call these sports radio stations and just talk in circles and grandstand and just, make these proclamations after every game that Justin Field has and everything is a referendum on what his future is going to be or what the state of the franchise is going to be and yada, yada, yada. And I'm getting major problems. <laughs> I, I just look at it and it's like, what, what, what agenda are we really trying to serve here in, as a city? And I said this before, for those who watch and listen to the podcast, I think most of you know my stance on what's been going on with the state of the Bears ever since we started this podcast. You know, when we started the show, it was Jake Cutler's last year as a Bear, and we're going into the Mitch Trubisky thing. And yeah, I'm a Mitch Trubisky fan. Throw your arrows at me. I felt the kid got a raw deal here, and I didn't know where the city became where a quarterback has to win a popularity contest or acting like they're high school teenagers, teenagers flying over somebody they didn't have. And this, the whole thing with Mitch was just uh, an embarrassment on all fronts, not only as an organization, but as a fan base on how the situation was handled, how it played out. Uh, just everything around it was Mr. Bissey was very embarrassing. And I was very embarrassed as a, sports fan to be honest with you but just how that particular situation was handled and all the personal insults are held towards this guy just because he's not Patrick Mahomes and fucking weirdo massage boy that everybody wants to promote these days but even with that and two playoff appearances I knew the overarching thought for myself is that the city does not know how to properly evaluate and process what quarterback development looks like. We wouldn't know what a good quarterback looks like in the city if it slapped us in our face, and we wouldn't know what quarterback development would look like if it slapped us in our face. In the big debates this week, all the Big debates from Dan Weederer, where he's the ultimate, I got to have my cake and eat it too shit, to LaShawn McCoy, who's probably the by far the worst analyst, not regardless of sport. LaShawn McCoy, yeah, he good football player, but as a TV analyst, my friend, you fucking suck. <laughs> I'm just going to keep it 100. You, my friend, are the shits. <laughs> And even then, regardless of it's Dan Weederer, Danny Parkins, Mark Silverman, Cap, um, Dan Bernstein, Lawrence Holman is insecure ass. 
regardless of who the personality here is in Chicago, I think we're talking in circles and try to proclamate like what's the more important thing. A, do we win games? That it's more important to Justice Dillon that they win games and oh, we got to tank and do this for draft picks. I'm a sports fan that has no respect for tanking, and I don't believe in that philosophy where you got to lose a gazillion games just to get a draft pick for what? The same draft pick that's going to give us the same amount of outcome and production if we had a 20, <laughs> 20th pick of a draft. like um, The drafts are very fleeting. And you'd be amazed if you look at the landscape of the NFL of the most – premier, like, top-tier performers in the NFL are more based through the second and third round than it is the first round of the draft. I, like, we fell into this big mirage that you have to build your teams to having the top pick of the litter of drafts every season, and it's like we've been burnt by it. <laughs> As Bears fans, we've been burnt by it. Now, we've had uh, clown and inept general managers but I think I think the frustrating thing is for me it's like again in this city I don't know why we need declarations and proclamations and like why do we need to know by the end of Justin's first full season as a full-time starter whether or not he's going to be the guy you know, I always hear about for the for the argument to like tank and lose games. Well, I mean, hey, Peyton Manning was three and thirteen his first season. He had a, he led the league in interceptions. You know, Troy Aikman had a, a sluggish start when he first started. You know, you have other examples across the NFL landscape, and I'm like, okay, okay, that happened with those those guys, but were they given the time to actually develop? Yes. But here in Chicago, and Mitch becoming a Pro Bowl alternate in his first full year as a full-time starter, people wanted to run this dude out of the fucking city while being in the playoffs. You see where I'm coming with with this? Like, follow along with me. Even regardless whether you're the biggest fucking Patrick Mahomes fan or Massage Boy fan, that's not relevant to this conversation because those two guys have been in the same predicament as Mitch was in their draft year. But nobody wants to say it, but I will. If you look at the environment of Chicago with how the organizations run, with the way the team is covered, whether it's print, radio, or TV, it's not... It's not commonplace for quarterbacks to succeed here. It's just not. We don't know how to cover them. We don't know how to evaluate them. And we sure as fuck don't know what to do as organizations to surround them to elevate their skills and make the best out of what they can do. And anybody that's going to try to tell me that this city did not try to run Mitch out of this city when 2018 went down is full of shit. I get it. Mahomes is great. He's great. It's a mistake. Even as a Mitch fan, I could admit it's a mistake. But you would think this guy was the second coming of Ryan Leaf and Jason Campbell and fucking Craig Krenzel a lot. Uh, You know, (laughs) Todd Collins, 
Um, try to remember all these bad quarterbacks we had over the years. <laughs> Good God. Um, uh, Jimmy Clausen. Um, jo- I heard somebody compare Mr. Johnny Manziel the other day. I saw that. Twitter. I'm like, you're a fucking moron. <laughs> I'm like, regardless, let's, let's put Mitch aside. My point is, like, even now, like, we're going back and forth in these debates about, well, this was a good thing for the Bears because they lost to the Lions. Well, here comes Dan Reeder because Dan Reeder doesn't know what the fuck he, his agenda actually is. One minute he's like, oh, we're not getting enough offense production. The team is averaging almost 30 points a game for the past month or so. But his big deal is now is that Justin is not drawing the ball enough or – not having enough big time throws in crucial situation and blah 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 blah. Like <laughs> as if he forgot all of last season when he was doing that shit while our same shitty defense was still giving up points like the wazoo in fourth quarters when Justin was balling out in fourth quarters, even with Matt, Matt Nagy. It it's like I feel like we lose IQ points every time. We talk about the Bears. Nobody knows what they want. They want to be either proven right as far as what they what their original stance is on, on a player that gets drafted. If there's any city or any market that lives and dies on outcome bias, it's Chicago. And that's just the truth. It doesn't matter if it's the Cubs, the Blackhawks, the Bulls, the White Sox, or the Bears. This city lives and dies on outcome bias. And it's a shame. Nobody will say it, but I will. And I will, like, I've had people tell me, hey, I think we got our guy. I think we got our guy. I don't know if we have our guy. I don't need to know if we have our guy by the end of the season. That's my thing. Why does we? Why do we need to know now, week eleven of the football season, as we're recording this? Do we need to know why Justfield is or isn't the guy? Why do we have to shuffle in rookie, highly drafted quarterbacks in and out of the city every two to three years? I don't care that we're in the ADD culture, and I'm sorry if that offends anybody. I know that's a real disease, and people deal with that. I can, I can understand that, but I'm sorry, man. Like I don't have sympathy for that shit. I don't. I don't care that you need instant gratification. It's the same thing that applies with fucking morose wrestling fans who think they have the answers to booking when they never booked the damn show in their life. You know, it, it's easy to talk big when you're not irresponsible or being responsible to be put in those positions that, that you claim you could do a better job then, you know? And look, he could ball out and have tremendous stats for the rest of the season and then come back next season and just be okay. And we'll do this routine again like we did with Mitch and run him out of the city because that, that's the Chicago way. But for me, as a sports fan, and me as a Chicago Bears fan, I'm taking this one day at a time and one game at a time. Like, every day I have to log into Twitter and see these stupid debates with Danny Parkins and Dan Reeder about tanking or not tanking, Sean McCoy trashing 
uh, Justin Fields just because his boy Kenny Pickett played like absolute dog shit, but everybody thought he was going to be the savior just because he went to Pitt. Hey, Steeler fans, guess what? You know who else went to Pitt? Nate Peterman. By the way, Nate Peterman is a quarterback on our Patrick on our practice squad, I believe. Right? <laughs> Any, anyways. I like I've been liking what I've been seeing for Justin. I've been a big fan. I, I'm I'm really happy for him. Yeah, it comes without saying that we had to reshuffle a lot of our marquee guys and you know surround Justin with better weapons and blah 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 blah. You hear everybody else say. But at the end of the day, even if we do that, are is the city gonna give Justin? the time he needs to properly develop into whatever quarterback he's going to be? I don't know. I want to give the guy the chance. I have nothing against him. I don't have this agenda where I'm like, oh, we should have got Trevor Lawrence. Oh, we should have got Mac Jones. Oh, we should have got Trey Lance. Like, we got our guy. I'm going to root, I'm going to root and hope that this guy can, you know, finally fix his fucking issue we've been having my entire life as a as a Bears fan, and we never have a quarterback. But how am I going to get to that point when the city doesn't allow any of our quarterbacks to develop? Yeah, our team sucks. <laughs> I put it on Twitter on Sunday after we lost. We stinks. We stinks. <laughs> Giving up a 14-point lead to the Detroit Lions at home is embarrassing. There's a lot more issues that we need to have and put more attention to than the argument and philosophy of winning while developing your quarterback versus tanking. That's like the most irrelevant aspect to what's going on with this football football team right now. Because guess what? You still are going to have the same issues and things you need to address by the time the season's over, whether you're winning or losing. Those issues are not going to go away. (laughs) We're still going to have to address the offensive line. We're still going to have to address our shitty front seven. We still got to address our linebacking core. We got to address who's going to be our top level receivers. Like, yeah, we got all this cast space and draft picks coming up in the off season. And uh, here's the thing. Who who are going to run out of the city first? Because that's what Chicago people care about every day. It's it's a Ryan Poles or Justin Fields. That, that's what I'm trying to figure out. Um, I I kind of realized this as a Chicago sports fan. It just it's this how it is. Um, you're on the hot seat by the time you're hired, and yeah, it's cool to have a city that has standards. But do we even know what our standards are when we talk out of both sides of our ass? Yeah, I can listen to a radio station and tell me like, well, this ain't. Milwaukee, this isn't uh, Indiana. This is not a small market. This is a big market. We have standards. We don't fucking know what our standards are. We don't know what the hell we want half the time. They come here and tell me with a straight face, oh, we have standards. We got to hold this team accountable. Yeah, okay. (laughs) What organization has been benefited by being held accountable by the fucking media and listening to their ideas? Like, let's be serious here. <laughs> you think the Blackhawks got on their streak in the early 2010s because what people at ESPN 1000 was saying? Like, give me a break. 
oh, we have higher standards. This is a big market. Shut the fuck up. We are one of the most illiterate sports cities on God's green earth. We don't know what the hell we want or, or what we're talking about half the time. Stop fooling you and stop fooling me. Let's get to the questions here. Start off with our good brother Chris Letta at XC's Letta 24X on Twitter. Throw some X. What up, Boost? Here's the question for the QA this week. What will be the top transaction from MLB Winter Meetings? Well, um, I probably think it's going to be an extension probably for Aaron Judge. I don't know how much money he's going to get, but I my feeling is he's going to go back to the Yankees. Uh, I'm not too keen on who are free agents. I know Jose Bray's out there, so I'm kind of curious to see where he's going to go. I heard something about him in Boston, possibly that could work. Him and the Cubs. Um, I don't think this is a great uh, free agent market, to be honest with you. I think Clayton Kershaw is a free agent, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Justin Verlander won the Cy Young uh, yesterday. I saw that. Kind of a shame. I wish uh, Del Cease got it. I thought he was fantastic this past season, but that that didn't happen. So uh, good on Justin Verlander. Guy just got a World Series and he got a good waterfall out of it. I mean, <laughs> where can you go wrong with that, right? <laughs> I don't know, Chris. It's be interesting, but my best guess is probably Aaron Judge and wherever he goes and how much money he gets. Probably would be the biggest transaction in the winter meetings. Um, did we see the Eagles get exposed this past uh, Monday? I don't know if I'll say exposed, Chris, but one thing I this is the one thing that cannot be debated. You could tell which teams read their press clippings when these upsets go down. And that's usually the case. You can tell as the game goes on of how serious they took the opponents they're having. Because when you have upsets like this and the the commanders uh, ended the Eagles winning streak this past week, by the way, hashtag Philly is trash. Shout out to you, good brother Sam. Um, when that happens, you can tell that the Eagles are probably just reading their press clippings and think this is going to be a, a cakewalk, and that did not happen. <laughs> um, do you see God eventually jump into WWE? Um, it, I, I, I won't say flat out no. I think it's more likely they stay out in uh, New Japan, but it, it's, again, it has to depend on what Tama Tonga and Tonga Loa want out of themselves. Do they want the challenge to go into WWE? Do you need G.O.D. in the bloodline when you already have the Usos? That's another thing. Uh, unless you have, uh, you do more of the Bullet Club stuff again in WWE. But uh, I don't see that happening. Um, I, I'm kind of like 50-50 on it, to be honest with you, as far as my stance. I mean, would it be cool if they jump? To WWE, sure, but I, I don't see it happening anytime soon. Uh, do you think the NFL can eventually get Dan Steyer removed from the Washington ownership? They're going to have to figure something out. This poor franchise has suffered enough embarrassment over the last, I don't know, 10 plus years or so. It's a clown show. It's a complete clown show from the top to bottom. Their stadium's a fucking dump. Their team name is ridiculous. Their jerseys look like pure ass. It's just the commanders stink. (laughs) 
as a, as an organization, I mean, the team's been decent, and I want to give shout-outs to Rob Rivera because I think he's a um, underrated coach. Um, all right, next question. Does MJF need to win the title this Saturday? If he doesn't, can they honestly afford to wait until the spring double or nothing to do it? Although although it sure would be better over the next few months into the summer to give MJF the belt now. Um, Chris, I'll answer that question in what the hell is wrong with AEW. If Owens is out for Survivor Series, who should be the last member of the men's war games match with possibly Drew, Sheamus, and the Brutes if that is the team? Um, that's a good question there, too. Um, I, you know, I know they kind of added oddball scenarios in war games matches for in NXT. And one thing that's been consistent about this whole thing is that, you know, carrying cross wants to get his hands on Roman Reigns, right? Like, it hasn't been just directed towards Drew McIntyre. What if um, Karrion Cross gets involved in the match? What if something happens on SmackDown tomorrow and the Bloodline accidentally attacks Wade Barrett? <laughs> How about that? Like, a full European like uh, men's war team. That, that, I think that'd be interesting. Um, it just depends. Originally, I was thinking possibly you could have Seth Rollins in the match, and that'd be really cool. But I think, uh, for what we saw in Rollins past week, I think Rollins is gonna be busy and doing his own thing as a virus series. So, hey, don't get me wrong, Seth Rollins getting involved in War Games uh, would be the tenth anniversary of the Shield would be a pretty pretty big moment. Um, I I will attest to that. Um, I mean it's it's really up to the air to be honest with you. Nakamura probably still has unfinished business with the bloodline, but <laughs> you have your you have your pick of the litter. But um, I I'm just gonna throw it out there. Don't be surprised if Karrion Cross will be involved in this too. But again. Who knows? Maybe we get somebody from NXT. Maybe we see somebody that's been injured that hasn't been around in a while that we can see added to the match. Um, you know, I'll, we'll, we'll get to uh, War Games and Survivor Series in this week in WWE, but I'm kind of curious to see um, how these go uh, as far as how that's going to be mapped out, not only for the dudes, but the chicks as well. So um, some intriguing stuff going on right now. Um, <laughs> I love you, Chris. You always send these questions every year. I love it. <laughs> How many head coaches will be fired at the end of this NFL season? Five or more? Um, let's go with six. Uh, for whatever reason, I've been like using six as my lucky number this year for a lot of different uh predicaments and stuff. So I'm gonna go with six. Let's go with six coaches. Um, Last question here for Chris. He says, if they didn't get into their situations, where would they be in wrestling today? Who's the biggest what if out of Tessa Blanchard, Velveteen Dream, and Marty Skrull? That's a great question. I, I really like that one, um, Chris. Um, I'm stuck between Tessa and Marty, to be honest with you, because even though I wasn't like 
a big fan of the elite and stuff like that. You guys know how I feel about the Bullet Club and the Young Bucks and stuff like that. I could stomach some of the stuff with Marty Scroll. Like I, I enjoyed the gimmick. I thought his outfit looked cool. The the theme song, you know, having the hat and the the little crow uh, mask he had. I I, I like the presentation of Marty Scroll, and you know, last time I saw Marty, I was covering his work. It was right before uh, I think the pandemic really got out of hand. They were supposed to do a Crockett Cup in this like sold out building in Nashville, and it was supposed to be Nick Aldis and Marty Skrill for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship, and that's the last time I heard from Marty. And then we had the pandemic, and then the Speak Out movement. I think was going on at the same time. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I was kind of curious to see how that that was going to play out for him if uh, if the news didn't come out, and. Um, because he, you know, a lot of people wanted him to go to AW and do the whole thing with the elite. Um, you know, Marty could have had a really good run in NXT. I mean, that's that's one, but I probably say the biggest what if for me is uh, Tessa Blanchard because for what she does in the ring and how she carries herself as a character uh, and the looks and everything, like. Sh- for me, I just felt out of the three you just mentioned there, Chris, I felt like Tessa Blanchard had the biggest star ability out of all three of them. And um, I, while I like Marty Scroll in the ring, and uh, the Velveteen Dream had his charismatic moments and stuff. By the way, I have an old interview that I did with the Velveteen Dream back in the day on our YouTube channel as you're watching this. You go check it out if you want. But I feel like what if, like what was the biggest opportunity that's missed? It's probably Tessa Blanchard because she could have done some major, major stuff, in my opinion, in WWE. Um, I feel like the women's division in AEW would have been kind of the same if Tessa Blanchard was in AEW because – you can't really tell much of a difference from a character point of view from Tessa Blanchard to Britt Baker, if we're being honest, maybe outside of the cheating and Rebel and stuff like that. But um, I feel like Tessa could really like be like the counterpoint to Charlotte Flair, and he could have done some major business there. So if, if you want to talk about like biggest what-ifs or missed opportunities, I'd probably say Tessa Blanchard. But – uh, those are good questions, Chris. As always, I appreciate you, buddy. Thank you for always checking out the show. I always appreciate you, my man. Um, all right. Let's go to the next set of questions here. We go to a good friend, uh, Mike Rubio at Main Event Swerve down in Houston, Texas. Says, Josh, here are a few back porch questions for this week. Do you think these Mercedes Fernando trademarks are real? And do you see her crazy enough to go to AEW? And could these be any dumber? <laughs> and he puts trash Nato, in my opinion. He gave me a link here, so let's take a look at this. So, uh, on Twitter, a lot of discussion has been going on about Sasha Banks and what her future is going to look like. She recently filed the following trademarks for her company, Solnado Inc. Uh, the, the trademarks are Mercedes Moan, Moan Talks, Bank Moan statement maker. Um, 
I mean, these could be for a lot of different things. And I know Sasha Banks is a controversial topic. Some people think she's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Some people think she's the Shawn Michaels of women's wrestling. I, on the other hand, think that her fan base really devalues her overall value, in my opinion. Uh, I, I can't stand her fan base one bit, and I'll be honest with that to the cows come home. But um, I, to answer your question, Mike, like, if she goes to AEW, I, I don't know if he's – I wouldn't call it crazy. I would, I would say it would be convenient for her to go to AEW because AEW is a enabler. It, it's a WWE rehab center. It's a WWE rehab ego therapist session. That's what it is really at the end of the day. If you really look at their roster for the people who are from WWE, they're all practically in the same position as they were in WWE. You mean to tell me FCR, the best tag team in the world, don't have a fucking match on the full gear card? Uh, They haven't had a major pay-per-view match on AEW since uh, the Forbidden Door. Like, <laughs> we could go down the list of the people who came from WWE to AEW, whether it's Ruby Soho, who's out of action. We have Athena, who's now a heel because people don't give a shit about her squash matches on YouTube. We could do this. That, that, that topic could be a whole episode on itself. But I, I think it would be convenient for her to go to AEW because Tony Khan will enable her. Uh, her fan base already enables her every single day. It's like as if Sasha Banks could do absolutely nothing wrong. Um, But for me, I was like so indifferent (laughs) to the topic and the Sasha Banks character in general where like, I'm at the point where I really don't give a shit whether she shows up there or not. I really don't. And again, it's something personal. I don't know the chick, but like she was a good performer. I'm not gonna take anything away from, from her from what she does in the ring. Now, was she like some amazing promo artist? No, not in my opinion. But I have nothing personal against her. I'm having for her success that she's doing her stuff outside of WWE with her fashion stuff and Star Wars and a whole bunch of other shit. You know, she's a beautiful woman, she's a good person. Again, it's nothing personal to me, but I have Really, next to don't care about Sasha Banks, the character, her fan base, what she is, what she isn't. I'm so, like, like tired and just exhausted from that conversation, to be honest with you. All right, next question. Out of your, out of your concert songs last week, who's the one person you love to duet a performance and what song? That's a good one, man. Take a swing of water there. Um, I would love to do. Um, I love to do. You did it uh, with Brett Young. Um, Brett, that song you did it by Brett Young was really my main healing song when I was going through my healing process last year, and um, that that was probably the main one for me. So I'll go with that one. After surprise losses to the Commanders and Jets, respectively. Who has the better team halfway through the season, the Eagles or the Bills? That's a good question. 
Um, I'm going to go with the Bills, actually. For this reason, this reason only. I feel like, and I, I think this sometimes could be like a silly argument about, oh, strength of schedule and who they fight, blah, 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 because, again, the teams are not responsible for who they, they play. But in this instance, yes, the Eagles have a better record than the Bills, but the Bills, even in their losses, have been in competitive games with really, really good and competitive teams so far this season. So I, from my perspective, I think the Bills are the more battle-tested team uh, than the Eagles from what the teams they've had to play so far this season. But it's not, it's not like uh, a Bills here and the Eagles here. I, I feel like they both had some really good luck this season, and they're two teams to be threatened with in the playoffs for sure. Um, what do you think of Justin Verlander winning the signing award for outstanding pitching? The word do you think he'll sign? Um, I, like I mentioned earlier, good for him. <laughs> I wanted Dill Cease to win because obviously I'm a White Sox fan, but uh, if anybody else was gonna win, I, he's probably the one to deserve it. So good on him. Um, I don't know where he's gonna sign, uh, Mike. Uh, to be honest with you, he could uh go to the Red Sox, he could go to the Dodgers. Uh, I don't know if the Padres are gonna make a run at him or the Yankees. Maybe the Sox can try it. Who knows? Maybe he just goes back to Houston. <laughs> I, I really – Justin Verlander on the free agents that are out there right now, he's the one that I got most confused on as far as where he's going to go. So it's kind of intriguing. I'm kind of curious myself to see how that's going to play out. Um, what was the most embarrassing AEW moment so far? Oh, shit. Where where do we start? <laughs> he says here, the deathmatch sparkler finish, Satnam Singh's crowd crickets debut, or something else. <clears throat> uh, there's one that's <laughs> you didn't mention here. I, I think for me, the most embarrassing thing that I've seen so far from AW. It's not close. It's not close. It's the dinner debonair. Or as I like to call it, the dinner debo shit. I don't know what in the blue fuck that was. <laughs> and I always reference this when I talk about Chris Jericho and this like odd, like agenda driven driven push for this idea out there that Chris Jericho's having a renaissance in his career in AEW. It's like don't you realize since the majority of AEW's programming since the company started that he's been responsible for the most embarrassing and the most ridiculous, the most corniest shit that's going on in their programming? Like, <laughs> I watched that, and I, we I've done some really big rants on AEW on this podcast, and we've done what the hell's wrong with AEW, right? But I don't think I've never been more upset or did a bigger rant than when that happened. Because that night when that happened told me everything I needed to know on how hypocritical Tony Khan is and everything those guys said in that initial press conference in 2019 in Jacksonville was a bunch of bill of goods. They are no different from TNA, WCW, uh, 
WWE, they they love to use WWE as their bullet, as far as their insults are concerned. But they don't realize there's much WWE that they like to admit. And uh, that was very embarrassing. That For me, that night, the narrative that there would be alternative died for me because that was the most stupidest shit I ever seen in my life. Um, what are your initial impressions of the Iron Survivor Challenges in NXT? Who you like to win the men's and women's? Good questioner. So Shawn Michaels this week on NXT announced that there's going to be a new concept for their uh, NXT deadline uh, premium live event, which is taking place on uh, December 10th, I think. This is their final pay-per-view of the year. And um, basically the concept is it's going to be a combo of a Iron Man match meets uh, King of the Mountain. So basically um, you have five people in the ring. It's a 25-minute match. And, and, it, and what I really like about this, Mike, to, to first start answering your question, I really dislike this concept because it fits with the name of the show. Uh, it's this deadline, and you know, it's a it's a selling factor. I'm intrigued. They're going to try something different, and this could be a nice challenge for me to do from a transcript point of view. This cap, catch along with how many points uh, the performers. Um, have during the matches, you got a male and a female of this. So basically, you have two Iron Survivor Challenge matches, and the winner of those matches will get uh, number one contender spot in NXT and NXT Women's Championships. So it's interesting. I'll say that it, it's very interesting, and I, I like the process, uh, I like the concept of it. And again, it's just about who you have in those matches. And how how it maps out. And I think it'll be pretty good, to be honest with you. All right, last question for the Q&A this week. Who is your NFL Coach of the Year and MVP halfway through the season? Hmm. I think I think for me, um, my Coach of the Year is uh, Kevin O'Connell with the Vikings. And then um, I think MVP for me is probably Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I think Patrick Mahomes is probably the main one. Either him or Josh Allen are my two main MVPs this year so far for the NFL. And then uh, Coast of the Year, it's either Kevin O'Connell for the Vikings or uh, Nick Sirianni with the Eagles. I can't do a Sirianni pressure. You got to check out uh, Ty Schmidt on uh, – Pat McAfee, he does a great job at that, to be honest with you. So, um, I want to thank Mike and Chris for the tremendous questions this week. As always, you can participate in the Back Porch Q&A session. All you have to do is hit us up on Twitter at the Hoots Podcast or the Hoots Podcast at gmail.com. When we come back, we'll get to what happened this week in WWE right here on the Hoots Podcast. Uh, yes, sir. Okie dokie, Stogie. Welcome back, everybody, to the Hoots Podcast. Time to talk about what happened this week in WWE. Going to go over really briefly what happened on Raw and SmackDown. Um, also, in this segment, we'll um, preview what's going to go down for um, Impact's Overdrive pay-per-view coming up on Friday. Plus, um, 
got to talk a little bit about New Japan as well as we got the beginning of the World Tag League and Super Junior Tag League 2022. So lots to get into and also uh, some thoughts here in between about some things regarding uh, the um, Survivor Series War Games pay-per-view as well. So lots to get into. Let's get into it, shall we? Uh, last week's SmackDown this past Friday night was in Indianapolis, Indiana. Very, very good crowd. Got treated to a fantastic tag team title match with the Usos and the New Day. The Usos are now your longest reigning WWE tag team champions of all time. It was a fantastic match. If you haven't seen it, go out of your way to check it out. Uh, here is the Usos' reaction with Roman Reigns in the backstage area after this match was over. Feels good, right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Hey, yeah. This is what being the greatest of all time feels like. Yes. This is the promised land right here. Yes. Now that y'all got that done, it's time for me to handle some stuff. Oh, yeah. But I need y'all by my side. Hey, say less. Because if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it the right way. We're going to handle this business out in the ring. Live. Tonight. You with me? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, wait. Yeet, yeet, yeet. We had the beginning of the World Club Tournament. Uh, we have Santos Escobar beating Shisuke Nakamura in a pretty good match. Uh, we had Braun Strowman running through Jinder Mahal. The modern-day Maharaja made his return to SmackDown this past Friday night. One of the interesting things for me that really popped my ears towards SmackDown, and I always talk about it, right? Maximizing your TV time. Check this out here with L.A. Knight and Bray Wyatt. Huh? I said it's all for naught, Yeah. Why is that? Because I can't stop this gravy train. I can't stop. What are you looking at? What? Is that more interesting than I am right now? Is that... Man, fix that. Go ahead and turn this trash off. Because I don't need his stuff here. This is my time. Now, where was... My name is Bray. So now we can be friends, right? You know, I think I understand more than you think I do. I can see all that anger and rage brewing inside you. Me too, man. <laughs> you know, my whole life, people have been telling me that my rage was going to make a monster out of me. <laughs> and the thing is, I've been, for the longest time, Pretending that I'm not proud of the things that I do. <laughs> I just I don't know how true that is anymore. Because uh, I know what it takes to give respect, man. And I'm asking you, how far are you willing to go? How far I'm willing to go and Ain't any of your damn business, but how far you're willing to go should be back to your little romper room, play with your little puppets, stick them anywhere that gives you pleasure. It's okay with me. But at the end of the day, if nobody asked you, <laughs> whose game is it? It's <laughs> 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 
just tremendous. <laughs> Always good to see the beautiful Liv Morgan. I don't know about you guys, but it seems like every week as goes by, she gets more and more sexier. I don't know. Either it's the legs or... I. It's not like, like the makeup or something like that. That is what it is, but I don't, I don't know what it is, man. She gets sexier and sexier as the weeks go by. It's getting it's getting crazy. Oh man. Alright. Let's get into this. Uh what else went down on Smack that oh, of course, uh, we had the um return of Viking Raiders. Sarah Logamator returned to WWE, nice to see. Um, we found out that Shotzi Blackheart will be taking on Ronda Rousey for the uh, SmackDown Women's Championship at Survivor Series War Games. Uh, Shotzi will be taking on Shot. Uh, Shotzi will be taking on Shayna Baszler tomorrow night on SmackDown due to a backstage attack that happened earlier in the show, and then the show concluded with uh, the Bloodline getting into a brawl with the Brawling Brutes and Drew McIntyre, which is more inkling and. More teasing that that is going to be the men's war game, war games attraction, which makes total sense, and it's going to be a barn burner of barn burners. Not only you got the bloodline in it, but you got Sheamus and Drew McIntyre, uh, Pete Dunn. <laughs> I think Pete is probably competed in the most WWE slash NXT war game matches in history. Right, he's been almost in every one. Right. At least for the men's, uh, <laughs> good for him, man. I, I'm I'm really intrigued with what they're going to do tomorrow night to build that up. And as far as like who's going to be the um, the the final person for the men's team, but uh, color me intrigued, man. I have absolutely no problem with that being the uh, men's war game match. All right, from there we go to Monday Night Raw for this past Monday. Um, Seth Rollins still going on and crowing about uh, the United States South being the number one championship on Raw. And they're still building that. And you have still a slew of people going after that championship. And this is what I wanted to talk about here for the card here for uh, Survivor Series. So obviously you got the two war game matches. I mentioned the bloodline against Drew McIntyre, uh, Drew McIntyre and the Brawling Blutes. And then when you got to the women's match, you got uh, damage Control, Nikki Cross, and Rhea Ripley this week. Uh, taking on Bianca Belair, Asuka, Alexa Bliss, and Mia Yim, who's the new member for her team. Uh, that was announced on Monday, so that was nice to see. Also, we have Ronda Rousey and Shotzi Blackheart for the uh, SmackDown Women's Championship. We got AJ Styles against Finn Balor in a singles match. Um... So you got four big time matches there. I don't know how many matches gonna be on this card. To be honest with you guys, I think it could be either four or five. And honestly, that's probably all you need. To be honest with you, if it was me, and especially with what happened on Raw this past Monday night, I would do a fatal four way for the um, United States Championship with Seth Rollins, Bobby Lashley, uh, Austin Theory. And Mustafa Ali. Now, speaking of Austin Theory, he went absolutely rogue. And just further illustrates how over the top the reaction was last week to the, oh my god, Austin Theory was buried bullshit. 
That's why you listen to Who's Podcast, where we actually tell you what's really going on, as opposed to what Twitter tells you what's going on. Um, he was on another level on Monday, and that match with Dolph Ziggler was awesome. <laughs> you thought I was going to say mid, no, I thought that was tremendous. There were some really, really good matches on Raw this past one. Not only the Austin Theory Dolph Ziggler match, but uh, Riddle and Chad Gable, fantastic stuff. Um, you know, then we got into the main event, which was Seth Rollins and Finn Balor for the, uh, United States Championship. That main event was dope. If you haven't seen the, uh, main event for Raw this week, go out on your way to check it out. It's very, very good. So, yeah, man, some solid stuff there for Raw and SmackDown this week. Here's the card for the show, for the Survivor Series again. We have, um, the Bloodline. Against uh, Drew McIntyre and the Brawling Brutes. In the men's war games match, we got Bianca Belair, Asuka, Alexa Bliss, Medium, and someone to be determined against Damage Control, Nikki Cross, and Rhea Ripley in the women's war games match. From there, we got Ronda Rousey against Shotzi Blackheart for the SmackDown Women's Championship. AJ Styles will be taking off Finn Balor in a singles match. More matches to be announced for sure. So. There goes that. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Impact Wrestling here. We like to spray to all fields here on the Hoots Podcast, so we'll get into that right now. Uh, tomorrow night, Impact has a pay-per-view coming up called Overdrive. What I appreciate about this, uh, what I appreciate for Impact when they do these monthly shows where it's not like the major marquee pay-per-views that they do, they they only charge people 10 bucks to watch the like monthly specials, so... Uh, I think it's a good deal. It's worth your money, and um, it's going to be very interesting to see what goes down. So uh, tomorrow is called Overdrive. I'll be covering that show. It's on Fight TV if you want to watch it. Here's the card for that show. We have the finals of the vacated X Division Championship Tournament. We have Heath and Ryan taking on the major players for the Impact World Tag Team Titles. The Death Dolls taking on Sasha Steeles and Savannah Evans for the Impact Knockouts World Tag Team Titles. The Beautiful Goat, Mickey James against Taylor Wilde. We got Bully Ray against Moose in the Tables match. And then probably the match I'm looking forward to the most this weekend outside of John Moxley and NGF is uh, Josh Alexander against Frankie Kazarian for the Impact World Championship. That is going to be awesome. <laughs> so... Really excited for that match. That's going to be a barn burner, to say the least. So, all all that being said, man, I'm really looking, I'm really, really, really looking forward towards this pay-per-view tomorrow night for Impact on uh, Overdrive. That's going to be a lot of fun. Um, really quick, let's also skim over what's going to go down coming up this weekend for New Japan Pro Wrestling as we got the beginning of the Super Junior uh, World Tag League and World Tag League 2022. Those tours start on Monday and Tuesday in the uh, Corrigan Hall. So I want to go over the the lineups for those shows here for you lovely people. And cool thing for Monday and Tuesday shows is going to be cheering crowds there at Corrigan Hall. So um, here's the undercard matches for the show. We got Kosei Fujita against Yuta Nakashima. Uh, second match is a eight-man tag featuring United Empire's Aussie Open, Great Okan, and Aaron Hanare. 
taking on GBH, Rewe Oiwa, and Oscar Loop, who I guess is a new young lion. Uh, we have another uh, trios match here. It's Tetsu Naito, Shingo Takagi, and Hiromu Takahashi against Midoriya Suzuki, Taichi, and El Desperado. That should be a lot of fun. All right, here's the tag league matches for uh, Monday. It's Kushida and um, Kevin Knight. This is the Super Junior Tag League here. They'll be taking on Alexander and L. Lindemann. We have Rishke Taguchi and Clark Connors taking on Yoshinobu Kamaro and Doki. Uh, the sixth match is Tiger Mask and Robbie Eagles taking on Sho and Dick Togo of the House of Torture. Uh, seventh match is Bushi and Teton against Ace Austin and Chris Bay of Bullet Club and Impact Wrestling. And the main event for the Monday show at Corkin Hall is the champions uh, TJP and Francisco Akira of the United Empire taking on Leo Rush and Yo. So those who don't know, same rules apply with the Super Junior Tag League as opposed to the World Tag League. The winners of those matches will be taken on the IWGP uh, Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Champions at Wrestle Kingdom. Now the difference here with um, this tournament is that the champions are in it, and kind of similar to the G1, if Akira and uh, TJP win the tournament, uh, will they'll get to pick their opponent at Wrestle Kingdom, I believe. And here's the lineup for Tuesday. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of events, so I'm going to be very busy with New Japan over the next couple weeks or so, so be on the lookout on that at ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. Um, here's the lineup here. Uh, so, the first match is Ryo Oiwa against Yuta Nagashima. Uh, GBH will be taking on Kosei Fujiwa and Asuka Loop. Uh, that's the second match. Third match, trios match, Shingo Takagi, Hiroto Takahashi, Bushi against Taichi, El Desperado, and Doki. Here's the World Tag League matches. Starting us off here with TMDK members Shane Hayes and Mikey Nichols. Taking on Gabriel Kidd and Alex Coughlin of the LA Dojo. Fifth match... Minoru Suzuki and Lance Archer against Bad Luck Folly, Bad, Bad Luck Folly and Chase Owens. So there's your spoiler. That's your first spoiler there for uh, uh, the AW All Gimmick Eliminated Tournament. Shneemans for the Burnham. Lance Archer is not winning it. <laughs> uh, sixth match. World Tag League. Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi take out Evil and Yujiro Takahashi. Seventh match will be Aussie Open against Hiroshi Tanahashi and Toriano. And the main event, I'm looking forward to this one on Tuesday. It's Naito and Sonata against the Great Okan and Aaron Hanare. So, two barn burners. Uh, main events for Cork and Hall coming up on Monday and Tuesday as I begin my final tournament tour of the year. For New Japan Pro Wrestling and at ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. So be on the lookout for that. That should be a lot of fun. So with that being said, it's time to give everybody what they want, what they've been waiting for, what they need. It's time for the main event. <laughs> We're going to start this bad boy off with another brand new spanking edition of What the Hell's Wrong with AEW. Let's start off this off with the good brother of all good brothers, the director of operations via satellite this week, Brother Carter, in a three, two, one. Beat your meat. Beat, beat your meat. Beat your meat. Beat, beat your meat. Beat your meat. 
beat, beat your meat, beat your meat, beat, beat your meat. I'm telling you, my time is right now. Right this minute, 2022. We're living in my time is now. My time is right. God damn now. Man, what intensity. It's time for What the Hell is Wrong with AEW. What the hell is wrong with AEW? Well, last night's episode of Dynamite was the final stop on the road to full gear, or as I'm going to call it, half-empty gear. This is how you're supposed to sell me on paying $50 to $60 for this show. Oh, boy. Leave it to Tony Khan to have no freaking idea how to promote a show. But he's Booker of the Year, pal. Okay, let's get into it. Um, Talk about the things that I did enjoy. Then we'll get through the shit. And oh, boy, there's a lot of shit. And then I'll give my predictions. Yes! For uh, half-empty gear. Okay. Very nice tag match to open the show. With three great wrestlers and Chris Jericho. But if you're going to try to sell a card for full gear, gear, why would you give the ROH world title almost 30 minutes in the opening segment of your show? You're basically saying that the ROH world title is more valuable than the um, AEW world title by doing that. But that's fine. A good match with Swerve Strickland and Anthony Bowens. I actually like both of these guys. I, I still believe if they can get Swerve away from Keith Lee, he could be a really great heel, I think. I think he'd be a great heel. And then a good match with Ethan Page and Bandito. I enjoyed that. Now let's get to the shit, and oh boy, was there a lot of shit. Jeff Jarrett means absolutely nothing to me. He does absolutely nothing to enhance the company. He was supposed to be the big reveal, and he's done nothing since cutting that weird promo after hitting Darby Allen with a guitar. He does absolutely for this nothing for this company, but it's another way for Tony Khan to say, look what I did, and then it ended up being absolutely nothing in the grand scheme of things. They brought back Captain Insano. Really? I shouldn't be surprised, but, it, but this is the most we've seen from Paul White in, you know, since he joined the company, so there's that. Um, I love the acclaimed. We all know much how much I love the acclaimed. Um, this music video didn't really do it for me. Um, I just wasn't buying it for some reason. I mean, it was it was cute. It was fine. I, it just didn't do it for me. And again, this is uh, a, a rare miss with what The Acclaimed has been doing recently because you all know how much I love The Acclaimed. Um, but yeah, I, this music video just didn't really do it for me. But oh well. This was such a weird Samoa Joe promo. I have no idea why he's a heel. It makes absolutely no sense. And also, why is Powerhouse Hobbs, who is a heel and is also targeting a face... Wardlow, coming out and cutting a face promo on Samoa Joe, who was a heel. And now we get a random three-way brawl with all of them that means nothing. And all of the locker room is coming out. WTF on that one. I have absolutely no idea where they're going with this. I really hope Joe can get out of his contract at the end of next year and re-sign with WWE now that Triple H is back. I still think he's got one more world title run in him at WWE, but we'll see. Why is Britt Baker cutting a face promo all of a sudden? This random heel and face turn stuff is getting old. It was a good promo, but it makes absolutely no sense why she's all of a sudden becoming a face. 
Um, great to see Top Flight back. Um, you know, I, I like Dante Martin as well, and nice to see um, his brother back and um, back from injury. Always love seeing that. But who the hell is A.R. Fox? Also, you would think that a major return should have been built up a little more, right? Uh, for the match itself, great athleticism, but this was just a spot fest. I mean, but what what could we expect from these six wrestlers? It was a spot fest, which leads me to the next point. After one of the most anticlimactic promos from Pac ever to basically reveal what's going to happen uh, 30 seconds later, God damn it, the Elite is back. They got the huge pop from the crowd, and they're probably going to get the biggest pop of the night. After publicly embarrassing the company and you know making Tony Khan look like a complete fool, even more than he already does, they're going to get the biggest pop of the night because it's the freaking elite, and they're back. And they're probably going to win the trios championships. Ugh, I, damn it. Ugh, I hate the elite so much. I shouldn't be surprised because Omega and the Bucks are... You know, they've convinced Tony Khan that they're the greatest thing that's ever happened to professional wrestling. But I I don't care about this. It's going to be a spot fest with all of them, and the crowd's going to go batshit crazy for some stupid reason. Because they're all marks that, for some reason, have bought into the fact that Omega and the Bucks are the greatest thing that's ever happened to professional wrestling. Which they're not. The greatest thing to ever happen to professional wrestling right now is the Tribal Chief, as we know. But, I, Whatever. I, I don't care. I'm not surprised. But God damn it, the Elite is back. Tony Storm versus Anna J. Meh, don't care. Now we get to the main event segment, or the final segment of the show. Moxley comes out, cuts an okay promo. He's attacked by the firm. The firm. MJF comes out, beats them all down, and then we get a little mini promo to close the show. This is how you're selling me on your main event pay-per-view. This is how you're selling me on why I'm going to pay $60 to watch MJF hopefully... I don't even know if he's going to win the world title. Maybe win the world title. This is how you're going to sell me on this. A brief talking provo with Moxley and MJF and a beatdown from the firm. Are you kidding me? Why would I want to pay to see this now? I cared a lot about this match before. Now, I don't care at all. I don't give a crap who wins this match now. They have absolutely, they have, they've de-sold me on this match. And it's the firm's fault. This ridiculous faction. We get a, a, an average promo between the two, which I know they can cut better. MJF deserves way more from this. Bidding war of 2024. Get you to WWE, MJF. Who cares what Khan is going to pay you? Take a pay cut and become one of the biggest stars in the history of the business by going to WWE. I don't care. I care less about this match now than I did a week ago. Um, I don't care. There, there isn't anything on this pay-per-view now that intrigues me at all. It's literally become nothing. So I'm quickly going to run down my picks for the show. Uh, I'm getting these picks off of 411 Mania, uh, which is as of right now. These are the picks as I'm recording this on uh, Thursday morning. I'll give you quick picks and then we'll we'll close this out. There are, as of now, let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 matches on the show. So this, this pay-per-view is going to run about five hours long. And I'm going to be exhausted. Well, I'm not going to watch it. But the people there are going to be exhausted by the end of it. But all right, here we go. Darby Allen and Sting versus Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. Don't care about this at all. Um... 
I'll take Jarrett and Lethal to get the win here just to, to enhance um, the return of Jeff Jarrett, but I, I don't care. And then they'll probably do some feud with this a little bit later on. Uh, Soraya versus Britt Baker. I have Soraya. Uh, it, I, now, on that one, I will say I am looking forward to seeing Soraya back. That's going to be a really cool moment for everybody. Um, obviously, you love to see these kinds of stories when people come back from injury. So it will be great to see Soraya back in the ring, and we wish her all the best in her return match. And they're putting her with somebody who knows how to work. So that's actually, I actually don't have a problem with that. Steel Cage match, Jungle Boy versus Luchasaurus. I'll take Jungle Boy just because. The AEW TNT Championship match, a, tree, a three-way match, Wardlow, Powerhouse Hobbs, and Samoa Joe. If it was a one-on-one match, I'd take Joe, but I'm going to take Wardlow here to retain, and then hopefully we'll get a one-on-one match. But with this inconsistent booking, who the hell knows? Uh, Jade Cargill versus Nyla Rose. Jade Cargill will win and become 44-0 or whatever she is now. AEW Trios Tag Team Championship match. Death Triangle defending against the most overrated wrestlers of all time and your new AEW Trios champions, the Elite, because Tony Khan can't resist putting the belts on his boys. ROH World Championship match, a four-way dance. Jericho versus Danielson versus Sammy Guevara versus uh, Claudio Castagnoli. I'll take Jericho to retain here because he's the Ocho and Khan believes in him too. He's, uh, from what I understand, the story they're trying to tell is he's unknowingly becoming the great, one of the greatest ROH's champions of all time, much to, his dis- much to his dismay. It's absolutely ridiculous. Interim AEW Women's World Championship match, Tony Storm versus Jamie Hayter. I have Tony Storm in um, about as generic Jones as you can get. AEW Tag Team Championship match, the Acclaimed versus Swerve in Our Glory in, the, um, in a rubber match. I've got the Acclaimed winning here. Hopefully, Strickland will turn on Keith Lee and we'll finally get that feud going. AEW World Championship Elimination Tournament Finals. Ethan Page versus Brian Cage, Ricky Starks, or Lance Archer. Uh, I don't know. Out of the four of them, I'll take Ethan Page. It seems like that's where they're going with this. So, again, happy for Ethan Page if he gets a chance to shine. Cool. Um, I'll take Ethan Page just for the hell of it. And then finally, the match that I now care less about. John Moxley defending the AEW World Championship against MJF. I could see AEW screwing this up and keeping the belt on Moxley. I'm going to take MJF to get his moment. Hopefully AEW does the right thing, puts the belt on their their um, their prized pig, their um, you know on the uh, the prized cow at the state fair. Um, MJF. Hopefully they do the right thing, but I could absolutely see them not. This was a, an very underwhelming way to sell your pay-per-view on Dynamite this past week on a very underwhelming show from a very underwhelming company. I don't care about any of this at all, and this is going to be one giant flop. But what else is new? Because what the hell is wrong with AEW? Thank you very much, Brother Carter, for your submission this week. I appreciate my man, as always. Make sure to follow Brother Carter if you like. On Twitter, at Derek Stoughton. Check out his work, DerekStoughton.com. Also on Instagram, if you like, at Jericho06, that is Jericho with the D. And also, don't forget to check out his work at WrestlingRumors.net. This is a question between me and you guys. I wonder what's more disappointing in the life of Tony Khan. His girls being satisfied after uh, intercourse with him, or us as wrestling fans uh, sitting through a go-home show for a pay-per-view. I wonder which one's more flat and just, just 
uh, it's even hard to put in words on just my feelings going into this pay-per-view on Saturday. I guess the best thing about this uh, full gear show or mid-gear or half-empty gear, as Brother Carter said, is the fact that the show is on a Saturday and not a Sunday. Okay, um, let's, let's start off with the positive shit because uh, I'm going to go over this card and we're going to do this excrement uh, impression again. And I, I'm going to try my best to enjoy this and try to make this lighthearted because I really don't have much to rant about this week. But I'm just going to keep it 100 with you guys and keep it stacked. Like, this pay-per-view is going to be a complete and other clusterfuck. <laughs> this show, I, if you exclude the notion in the hopes of it being a good, re- good show with good wrestling matches... You can get that from any pay-per-view. You can get it from a Fight TV, Fight TV special at the Burn Eagles Club. Uh, you can have it at a strip club. You can find good wrestling matches on TV anytime or on the internet. Is this... Uh, for me to you, to be honest with me, hit me up at Twitter at the Who's Podcast. Is this pay-per-view really worth 50 bucks? Is it worth it? Is it going to be worth the time that I'm going to spend on it on um, on Saturday? Probably going to be six hours to type out that show, counting the um, buy-in show or zero hour, whatever they're calling it. I'll tell you what, man, this show is going to be the shits. Now, don't get me wrong, some stuff from Dynamite last night was okay. Um, I thought this show was a way, way step down from last week's episode. I thought last week's episode was pretty solid. This one, not so much. But let's let's stay with the positivity. I had one disagreement with Brian Carter in his portion of the segment this week. I had a big, big pop for the acclaimed music video. Um, I was with it the whole time. Max Caster and Anthony Bones are clicking on all cylinders right now. I, the big pop for me was uh, about <laughs> him mentioning the fact that Swerve Strickland has a family member in the dirt sheets. Uh, that was my favorite line of the, the music video. I, I thought that was tremendous. Um, yeah, besides that, I mean, what's there to say? Like, um... Britt Baker's uh, promo. Let's, let's start off with that. This is something positive. Let's hear what Britt Baker had to say about uh, Soraya heading towards their match on Saturday at Full Gear. Here is the doctor, Britt Baker, D-N-D. Four times. Four times, Ray, you stared me dead in the eye and told me I don't have what it takes to be a star. You reminded everyone that I've only been on television for three years. But in those three years, I went from a nervous, happy-to-be-here girl to a confident, tenacious face of this company. In three years, I became a leader and learned very quickly as a leader... You take all the blame when everyone else receives the credit. In three years, I became my own damn role model. 
and sorry, I wasn't handed anything that you weren't also handed. And that is an opportunity. I took that opportunity and I ran with it until I became undeniable. Until every fan in that arena says it with me when I tell them I'm Dr. Britt Baker, D.M.D. And no, I didn't wrestle in Madison Square Garden, but you know where I did wrestle? In Daly's Place, in Jacksonville, Florida, for over a year. When the fans couldn't come to us, we were there for them. We kept the fire of professional wrestling burning in the darkest of times, and that's an era you'll never know. And Soraya, I respect you. I respect that you fought addiction and won. I respect that you came back from a horrible neck injury, and I respect that you paved the ground for me to be standing right here, right now in this business. But this business owes you nothing, nothing. It has moved on. And what you're not gonna do is stand there and belittle me, belittle my accomplishments, belittle my blood, sweat, and tears because you're stuck in the past. I am the heart, I am the soul, I am the pulse of AEW. And if you think you're above that, you can get the hell out. This is my house. Boom. Not too shabby, right? <laughs> Alright, let's get to the shit of this, because uh, it's an AEW show. What could, say with me. Everybody listen, say with me. What could go wrong, will go wrong. One more time. What could go wrong, will go wrong. No! <laughs> oh, man. You know, I take great pride of having this segment for you guys and, you know, having it be a platform for you guys to express yourselves and understand where the frustrations lies within myself and Bernard Carter with what we have to watch and cover each week when it comes to this promotion. It's like, I referred to it last week when it comes to, like, covering the AEW Dark Shows and the YouTube stuff. It's like uh, dealing with, this is the content we'd be allowed to watch if we were watching wrestling in a prison cell. But when I watch AW, it's like <laughs> it's a dirt sheet variety special that I can see on PBS or like one of those telethon specials. It's just there. It's not good. The comedy is not good, and the matches leave a lot to be desired. For example, this first match. Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara against Brian Danielson and Claudio Castanoli, a match that went almost 25 minutes in the beginning part of the show. As Brian Carter said, why are you spending 30 minutes on Ring of Honor on your go-home show for full gear? I don't know about you guys, but this is probably the one pay-per-view, or at least go-home show for AEW, that's like, nobody gave a shit about what's happening on Saturday, not only on social media, but also the people in the crowd. Bridgeport, Connecticut, Bridge, the people of Bridgeport, Connecticut, couldn't give two shits about what's happening on this pay-per-view on Saturday. And they made that crystal clear. And I'm watching this match, and it's like, we get it, right? Ring of Honor is a big part of what's going on with AW and Tony Khan, and that they 
Tony Khan wants to feature Ring of Honor because they hope they could give a TV uh, slot for them in the future. Hopefully they could get their own television show, blah, 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 blah. We get the whole drill, right? And I've been saying this since All Out and for almost five months now where I don't understand the logic of putting so much emphasis on Ring of Honor, on your major show, heading towards pay-per-views. And it's like the priority for their storytelling, at least from my point of view, observing it, has been 60% Ring of Honor and 40% AW since All Out. And <laughs> if that's important, I'm telling you right now, this car for Final Battle, whatever it's going to be, the final pay-per-view for Ring of Honor, better be fucking stacked. Because if it's compared to the other lineups that's been for the last two Ring of Honor pay-per-views that's been run by eight, run by Tony Khan, I'm gonna. <laughs> that's gonna be a big problem, and I'm gonna call them out on it because, like, you're taking time away to still develop and you know build whatever AW is gonna be. We still don't have an identity to what this promotion is. It's like one week we're alternative company, the next we're TNA, WCW, uh, you know, parody show. It's it's not good. Like, can you honestly tell me with a straight face that you are 100% all in with every single decision that's going on with AEW? There's nothing wrong. It's all rainbows and butterflies. Everything is going to be awesome. You watch this match here in the beginning of the show. It's nothing but chops. Kicks, uppercuts, and uh, does it repeated sequences? And when that's going on for twenty plus minutes, with a match that has no consequences to it, how how are you going to tell your audience to be invested towards the show? What's the priority? What what's the end game here? Are we propping up Ring of Honor because Chris Jericho is now calling all the shots behind the scenes, so he needs the most TV time on a go home show? For full gear. And here's a question that I'm still trying to figure out myself. Why the fuck is the Jericho January 6th appreciator still feuding with the Blackpool Cuckold Club? We had Anarchy in Arena. We've had Eddie Kingston and Chris Jericho. We've had uh, Blood and Guts. Everything in between. The only thing is missing either Mimosa Mayhem and fucking the, the football fuckery stadium stampede match. What else can you do with these groups? Like, holy shit, man. This this thing with these two feuds and these f- factions is not entertaining. The matches overstayed their welcome. It's highly, highly repetitive. And it's been going on for over a year and a half since the Inner Circle disbanded. It's not good TV. Stop lying to yourself. Honestly, are you are you buying this pay-per-view for the Fatal 4 match for a Ring of Honor World title? It's just there for me. And I'm going to keep saying it because nobody else wants to say it. I, it's really sad as the weeks go by. More and more, Brian Danielson is turning into Bobby Fish in the ring. It's... <laughs> Not only does AEW fumble the bag with CM Punk, but now also you have Brian Danielson having a disappointing run in AEW. 
Hey, it's Brian Danielson. He does the same shit every week in the ring. Watch him come in the ring. Barely cut any promos. Give us a reason to give a fuck about any of his feuds going on. And what what did he do? Kick, uppercut, chop. Kick, uppercut, chop. Chop this. Chop shades there. Chop shades here. Like, <laughs> what are we doing here? <laughs> so, Claudio Castanelli makes Chris Jericho tap out to uh, the sharpshooter. That was what it was. Any of you excited for Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal against Sting and Darby Allen? Because I'm sure as hell not. Um, I put over the acclaimed music video earlier. I thought that was pretty funny. Also, we have Anthony Bowens against Shane Strickland. Oh, boy. I thought this match was good for the most part, but I decided it overstood its welcome. Uh, Strickland won with the JML driver. I haven't seen that one in a while. Um, again, more useless Ring of Ownership. Now we have a triple threat match for the AWTT title where Wardlow is overshadowing, I guess, Samoa Joe because he's the Ring of Honor TV champion. Like, it's a clusterfuck, man. And here's the gravitas of this <laughs> go-home edition of AEW Dynamite. We had the Death Triangle against Top Flight and AR Fox for the AEW World Trios Championships. And this match was a tumbling fest to the, the highest degree. It's doing absolutely so much. Like... <laughs> oh, man. Uh, it, it's... <laughs> It's ridiculous. Like I, I was watching this match last night. Like, don't get me wrong. I've liked AR Fox. I know his work because I saw his work in Lucha Underground, and he's a very talented performer. But if the World Trio styles just there to have a, if it, the World Trio styles are just there to have twenty minute six man tag team matches, you could get rid of that fucking title because that's that title that division is not going to mean shit after a while. And all this was was to prop up the return of the fact that the Jet Triangle are putting their ties on the line against the Elite at um, full gear. Whoopity-doo. From there, we go to Bandito and Ethan Page. Nobody gave a shit. Ethan Page won the match. Uh, we heard from Britt Baker earlier in the show. Let's hear from uh, Soraya. I'm here with Soraya. Rayo, we are days away from AEW Full Gear, which means that we are days away from your first match in five years. Your first match since being 100% medically cleared for in-ring competition. How are you feeling right now? I feel fantastic. I mean, I feel very lucky that I've had the opportunity to be able to get back in the ring again. I, I never thought it would happen in my lifetime. I was told it would never happen in my li lifetime, so I'm very lucky and I'm very fortunate. I'm just sick of this back and forth between me and Britt, though. She comes here earlier talking about opportunity. Britt, I got an opportunity to be here. I want to be here. I chose to be here because I wanted to beat the best, and the best is you. I'm sick of this back and forth. I don't want to talk about this anymore. I'll see you this Saturday at Full Gear. Not too shabby. Then we go to Tony Storm and Anna Jane. Whoopity-doo. I see Anna J on my screen. I'm not going to pass up on Good Waterfall. Uh, 
this right here may be the shittiest part of the whole the whole week for me from what I've seen for TV so far and going into this pay-per-view. For me, that John Moxley MJF segment was flatter than a concert band with no intonation. It was flatter than Bailey, This Is Your Life. This segment was way flatter than Hack, uh, Hillbilly Jen's Hall of Fame speech. This segment to send the people home, and I can't even say this as an MJF fan, this segment was fucking horrible. It was the drizzling shits. Nobody cares about the firm. I put it on Twitter earlier this morning, and it's, I think it's true. They, they are as relevant as the core was when they first started in WWE. Nobody gives a fuck. And them being the conduit in between John Moxley and MJF, it's, it's taken away of what this feud should be. And now maybe that's by design because some people are throwing out conspiracy theories about William Regal turning on John Moxley and lining with MJF, or you know MJF still being in cahoots with uh, the firm. But even then, even as <laughs> John Moxley said in his promo that the finish for the ladder match at uh, All Out was the stupidest finish for a ladder match of all time, and I agree with him. I'm I'm watching the segment and like, can somebody please remove that fucking microphone out of John Moxley's hands, please, for the love of God? It was brutal, man. Yeah, the brawl with the firm and JF is coming out. The crowd doesn't give two shits. They barely pop for the guy when he comes out. I'm watching this and like, okay, this is your main event. This is what we have to pay fifty bucks for. This history making match. Like, all the momentum coming off of that MJF promo last week where he was doing the appearance on part of my take to this is an indictment <laughs> on their programming and how they get into these feuds and programs. This show, this episode of Dynamite absolutely sucked. I'm not excited for full gear. Outside this match here with Moxley and MJF, I really don't care who wins any of the matches on his pay-per-view. So, I guess it's time to go over this shit, right? I'm going to run over the card really quick in my excrement impression, and then I'll make my picks from there, okay? Don't forget, the final night before AEW Full Gear, it's AEW Rampage live on TNT. Starting things off, it's Ricky Starks and Lance Archer in the first round match in the AEW World Title Eliminated Tournament. The winner will take out Brian Cage in the Zero Hour in the semifinals. And the winner of that match will take out Ethan Page in the finals next week on Dynamite. It's official. Athena will be taking on Madison Rain. FTW champion Hook will be taking on the Ferns' Lee Moriarty in the main event of Rampage. It's Eddie Kingston and Ortiz against Jun, Jun Akiyama and Kanose Takeshita. 
Then coming up on Saturday, live on the BR app and also on Fight TV and all pay-per-views around the world, it's AEW Full Gear, live from the Prudential Center in Newark, New Jersey. Starting things off, we have the acclaim against Swerving Our Glory for the AEW World Tag Team Titles. After that, we got Christian Cage's full-time monster, Luciusaurus, taking on Jungle Boy Jack Perry in a steel cage match. After that, we got Tony Storm and Jamie Hayden for the interim AEW World Championship. We got the Jerry. Let me. Ah. Let's start this back with full gear, okay? Coming up on Saturday's AEW Full Gear live from the Prudential Center in New York, New Jersey. Starting things off, we have the AEW World Tag Team Title Match as the acclaimed defender against Swerve in our glory. Following that, we got Tony Storm against Jamie Hayden for the interim AEW Women's World Championship. We got Luchasaurus taking on Jungle Boy Jack Perry in a steel cage match. And from there, we got the Ring of Honor World Championship. It's a fatal four-way match featuring Chris Jericho, Brian Danson, Claudio Castanoli, and Sammy Guevara. Now we get to our irrelevant women's tag team titles of the show. Ah. <laughs> oh, man. I, I'm not, I promise you, I'm not slipping up on purpose. This car is so bad, it's flubbing me up. All right, third time's a charm. Let's do this, all right? <laughs> Bye. Four, three, two, one. Coming to you live on Saturday is AW Full Gear from the Nerds. <laughs> this review is so bad I can't even get the fucking card right. <laughs> All right, let's do this. <clears throat> Let me take a swig of water. Holy shit. Coming to you live on Saturday is AW Full Gear live from the Prudential Center in New York, New Jersey. Starting these off, we have the acclaim against Swerving Our Glory for the AW World Tag Team Championships. From there, we got Tony Storm putting her title on the line. It's the interim AW Women's World Championship as Tony Storm takes on Jamie Hayner. We got the Steel Cage match featuring Jungle Boy Jack Perry against Luchasaurus. From there, we have the Jerry Six Appreciation Fatal Four Way match for the Ring of Honor World Championship. It's the Ocho, Chris Jericho taking on Brian Danielson, Claudio Castanoli, and JS's Sammy Guevara. From there, we got Jay Cargill putting her TBS championship on the line against the self proclaimed AWTS Women's Champion Nyla Rose. From there, we got the in ring return of Soraya as she takes on the Dr. Britt Baker DMD. We have Sting and Darby Allen taking out Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal in a tag team grudge match. We have the return of the Elite as the Death Triangle puts their AEW World Tag Team Trio Championship on the line against Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. It's official. Wardlow will be putting his AWTT Championship on the line against Samoa Joe and Parahas Haas. And there we got the main event as John Moxley puts his championship on the line against the devil himself, MJF. Woo! <laughs> I got that off. <laughs> I was kind of worried. I thought... <laughs> I didn't think I was going to get this done, but hope, thank God I did. Um, Alright. Let's make some picks, alright? Uh, I got the Acclaim retaining against Swerve and Our Glory. Um, Swerve will turn his back on Keith Lee. I have uh, Tony Storm retaining against Jamie Hayter. I got... Uh, Chris Jericho retaining, unfortunately, uh, and still being your Ring of Honor World Champion. I got Jay Cargill getting her title back and retaining her championship. I got Surya being Britt Baker. Seeing Darby Allen will beat Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. 
I have the elites becoming the AEW World Trios champions. Pac will do something and start drifting away from the Lucha Brothers. That's the angle I see going on from here. I have Wardlow retaining his AEW TNT championship. He'll win that match. Um, only thing I can see different is if Powerhouse Hobbs win, and then it's a Ring of Honor TV title thing with him and Samoa Joe. We'll see how that goes, but um, unfortunately, until I'm proven wrong, I got John Moxley beating at Jeff for the AEW World Championship. I just had this feeling that they're going to keep the title on Moxley, and some shenanigans are going to go on and cost MJF the match. I hope I'm proven wrong. I hope it is the time for Max to become a champion, but I have to believe it to see it. And until then, I, I think Moxley is going to retain on Saturday. But that is the lineup for AW Full Gear. This card, this pay per view, is going to be mad. And on that note, folks, that is what the hell's wrong with AEW this week. Fuck this shit, I'm out. Mm-mm. Fuck this shit, I'm out. No thanks, don't mind me. I'ma just grab my stuff and leave. Excuse me, please. Fuck this shit, I'm out. Nope. Fuck this shit, I'm out. All right then. I don't know what the fuck just happened, but I don't really care. I'ma get the fuck up out of here. Fuck this shit, I'm out. Alright guys, I want to thank you guys so much for hanging out with me for this week's edition of the Hoots Podcast. Hope you have a wonderful week. Hope you guys enjoy Impact Overdrive coming up on Friday and Full Gear on Saturday. We'll recap those events coming up on next week's edition of the Hoots Podcast. Plus, it's our preview and prediction show for WWE Survivor Series War Games. No! For... The very talented and wonderful Brett Carter. I'm Joshi. This has been episode 336 of the Hoots Podcast. Hope you have a wonderful weekend. Remember, folks, be the authentic product that is yourself and never let anybody dictate the pace of your energy but yourself and the man upstairs. You can follow me on Twitter if you like at the Hoots Podcast. Brett Carter's at Twitter at Derek Stoutland. I'm on Instagram at Josh Lopez Media. Brett Carter's on Instagram at Derrico06. That's Jericho with a D. Check out my work at ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. Check out Brother Carter's musical work at DerekStyle.com and WrestlingRivers.net. This has been the Hoots Podcast. Enjoy some football. Clear your head. Do some healing. Go score some waterfall. And stop trying to be so stuck up and morose all the time. Have some fucking fun with yourself, at least. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for joining the show. Love to see your feedback for this week's episode, and uh, we'll talk to y'all next week. Uh, Yes, sir.